Charles Spurgeon once said, the mind can descend far lower than the body, for in it there are bottomless pits. The flesh can bear only a certain number of wounds and no more, but the soul can bleed in 10,000 ways and die over and over again each hour. Mental illness is not a new phenomenon, and the same biblical truths that have encouraged Christians for centuries can encourage those who suffer with mental illness today. Mental disorder is defined as a wide range of conditions that affect mood, thinking, and behavior. Most common types of mental disorder are anxiety disorder, clinical depression, and bipolar disorder. So how should we as Christians encourage someone with mental illness? Though we may continue to struggle daily in the bottomless pit of our mind, as Christians, we can encourage someone with mental illness by letting them know that you are not alone, it's not your fault, God sees you and is with you, and God's word speaks to you. If you or anyone needs help, contact walkfanusa.org. That's W-O-C-F-A-N-U-S-A dot org. Because you don't have to suffer in silence anymore. Praise God. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to this service coming to you this morning from Lawrenceville, Georgia, World Outreach Church for all nations. And for those of us streaming online, we want to welcome you. We thank God that you are able to join us today. And we pray that something that will happen here today will change your life for the better. Again, welcome. Hallelujah. Praise God. As always, our vision here at WorkFan, World Auditor for All Nations, is building strong families and serving global communities. Amen. And by the way, it is so good to see all of you in the sanctuary this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Man, it's so good to see some of you. My God, my God, my God. Some of you guys have not seen in a long, 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 long time. I spare your names. I won't mention your names. So I spare you with that. But for my friends that are still in the pajamas, I know, I know, I know. It's nice and comfy. You're in your pajamas and you're tuning in. And we welcome you anyway. But we would like to see your face. Hallelujah. The Bible said we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Amen. So again, you are welcome. We love you. And we're looking forward to that time when you feel comfortable enough to join us in person to God's glory in Jesus' name. And while you are that, don't forget Kindred, Cash App, PayPal, and you can write a check while you're in your pajamas because whether you are home or here, we have to pay this light bill. Say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. So now this morning has, has been advertised. This is the mother of all kingdom conversation. <laughs> because today we're going to have a conversation about what we've been studying and talking about with regards to mental health 
challenges. Amen? Now, in Luke chapter 1, beginning from verse 39, Luke chapter 1, verse 39, let me just read the scripture, and then we're going to get. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. And entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened, when Elizabeth had heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Last verse. Blessed is she, or he for that matter, who believes, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Just the background here, Elizabeth had a supernatural conception. She had been barren. And then, of course, we know that Mary also had a supernatural conception. The baby in Elizabeth had not leapt or showed a sign of life until that baby came in the presence of Jesus that Mary was carrying. And so when Mary greeted her, the Bible says, the baby in Elizabeth leapt for joy. Why are we doing this today? Why this kingdom conversation? Because there are some of us who are carrying babies that have not leapt. There are some of us whose babies and dreams and ambitions and, and aspirations are threatening miscarriage. And you need to hear an affirming word that that which you are carrying may not have leapt in a season, but today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of deliverance. Today is the day of your joy. Hallelujah. And so kingdom conversation for those of you who have never joined us for this is a time we set apart in our regular Sunday morning services to allow for intimate questions about the subject matter that we've been teaching on. If you look in the Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus asked or received over 139 questions. And those question and answer times were one of the most intimate times of his ministry on the earth. And so we give this room, this opportunity, we've been teaching, 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 and we're going to teach some more. But we want to allow you a little cellar moment, a little pause, so that whatever questions you have, whatever things you want addressed that we may not have covered, this is your opportunity to ask 
your questions so that you can live here with answers. Amen? You came with questions and you can live with answers. And if you are joining us online, by the way, you can also send in your questions. I think they have uh, the means for you guys to do that online and we will take those questions right here in the service this morning. So you have two microphones standing here for those of you that are in the sanctuary and they are open mics. And at any time during our conversation, you are free to walk up to the microphones and ask your questions. Now, indeed, today is a special no-holds-barred kingdom conversation. In other words, nothing is off-limit. However, let me set the perimeter. Even though we said nothing is off-limit, this is not the time to ask us where you can get the cheapest ticket to Hawaii. Amen? Nothing is off limits with regards to the subject matter. Amen? But we don't want to be taken off track and dealing and addressing issues that are not pertinent. Amen? And may I also prepare you and just let you know we will be going much longer today than previously. Amen? So, all right, having said that, it's time to begin the convo. Are you guys ready for conversing? No, you guys don't sound like you're ready. Audience online, are you guys ready for conversation? <laughs> Praise God. Amen. This morning, I'm humbled and at the same time thrilled, if you can imagine those two emotions, to bring to the platform with me someone that I have known for over 21 years, Someone that many of you here have known and interacted with for many, many, many years. As I said to you, leading up to today, this individual is both a provider, which means they help people who are in all kinds of health issues or problems. But on the other hand, They've also gone through being a patient. So they understand the two sides of the coin of a subject matter. Now, I could just easily bring them up here and say, okay, let's just talk it. But I want to, you see, it's, sometimes it's important for you to, uh, to know your, your, your messenger so you can appreciate the message. Did you guys get that? Man, if I was on CNN, man, I'd get some applause. You guys just, you guys just, you guys just looking at me. You guys looking at me like a cartoon looking at a new gate. Amen. Praise God. I mean, I may, I may go to Fox News if you guys don't want to do, do, do business. Amen. Praise God. But anyway, 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 anyway. When this person first emigrated to this country, they had to take the board exam for their particular area of profession. They don't mean to say this, but I'm saying it anyway. This is a no holds barred tell all day. <laughs> now, I'm saying this because you need to know the brilliance of what God has given us. The most you can score in that exam is 150, 150. The pass mark, Pastor IBK, is 75. 
Many of us will just barely get 75.2. And with the skin of our nose, we say we pass. This person scored 143 out of 150. Almost enough for, to pass two, other, two people. She, she could have had me on her back and pass. Now, why am I telling you that? I want you to know, first of all, what we're dealing with can affect anybody. It doesn't matter how smart you are or how otherwise you are. Amen? I've known this family for a long time. And so this morning, God orchestrated what we're doing here. Because they, because they only, because of their job, they're only, allowed to, they're only able to be here twice a month. Two Sundays a month, because the other Sundays they're working. But the very Sunday I made the announcement that we're going to be doing this teaching, they were in the service. And they came to me and said, Pastor, I have a story to tell. I'm saying all of this to set you up to understand that God has your deliverance today. You do not have to live here to live with any more struggling alone as a result of what God is going to do today in Jesus' name. And so, ladies and gentlemen, without any further delay, please, I want you to help me welcome to this podium, Ibadi Andrew. Are you on? Good. Praise God. <laughs> All right. So now, the cat is out of the bag. Now you all know who I've been talking about. Amen? Amen. Everybody welcome. Thank you, Pastor. It's good to have you here this morning. Amen. And I really thank God for your life, the life of your family, Joseph Andrew, Joshua Andrew, and Abigail Andrew. Uh, we thank God for every one of you guys. I've uh, known you guys for a while. So right. you guys are not, uh, what are, you are not, Johnny just come. You know, right. so, so, so we know you very well. And that's, where, that's why there's credibility in your message. Amen. Amen. So Amen. Let, me just, let me just start by asking the question this morning. Why did you want to do this? Why, why, what made you even want to talk about this? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Good morning, church family. Good morning. <laughs> this is the day the Lord has made. And we thank God for the gift of life. Amen. And like uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, only the living can thank God. Hmm. Only the living can worship God. Amen. So every day I wake up, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is, Lord, I thank you for the gift of life. Amen. Because life is a gift. And we experience life. Everybody on earth experiences life. Life is full of up and down, highs and low. And we all experience different aspects of this life. Pastor has made a wonderful expose on mental diseases. And we will think that it happens to our neighbor. 
or it happens to a particular group or a particular race or it's more prevalent in a particular race, but we'll be surprised that it can happen to us. It can happen to our family member. It can happen to people we know and we may not know what to do. Amen. So when pastor said he was going to give a preaching on mental illness, I'm usually kind of like quiet, deliberate person. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not the one that is so quick to take a microphone. Oh, I want to share my testimony. But the Holy Spirit quickened it in my heart mm. that we need to address this situation. Because especially in an immigrant community, ah, there you go. It is filled with stigma. Hmm. It is. It doesn't want to be discussed. You know, we even we, we just want to hide it. Hmm. But as I will say, it is a disease. A disease is a disease, and when a disease happens. We did not ask for it, and we cannot control it. It just happens and incapacitates whoever the victim is. And that's why when Pastor came out with this teaching, I said, yes, it's about time that we get to know about this particular situation. And if we look at uh, Jose 4.6, he says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Yeah. Most of the time, we will know something is happening in our environment. And we will just say, oh, it is the devil. It is the devil. Yes, we know it's the devil. There's no question about that. Since the fall of man, the devil has caused a, dis, uh, a disequilibrium in man. And everything is traceable to the devil. But is it just the devil that is in charge of everything? No, it's not the devil. God is also in charge. Like when the sons of God went to uh, God, and devil, and uh, God asked devil, have you seen my servant, Job? Yeah. And what did devil, the devil, the devil answered God, because we have kept him. And what did God say? God gave him a challenge. That's, that has been a question that has bothered me for some time. I said, why did God not just protect him and tell the devil to go, to, to go and remain in hell? <laughs> yeah, but God did not say that. Everything happened to Job. So, brethren, this morning, it is important that we have the knowledge of certain things, the knowledge of diseases, the knowledge of mental illnesses, and how these things actually happen. And that's what we're going to be going through this morning. And for me, personally, I have been a victim of mental disease. And I'm also 
a provider, being in the medical profession. I have seen different prescriptions, different uh, 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 concepts for, of mental diseases. I have done some uh, researches and gotten a lot of information about mental diseases. So that is why I decided that maybe if we talk as a family, and maybe if somebody who has experienced this illness and has come out of it, and, has, and is normal, Amen. Amen. maybe we can say, we can remove this stigma. Amen. And we can empathize with these people. Amen. And we can tell these people, it's okay. You're going to come out of it. Amen. It's going to be well. Amen. God is in control. Amen. God is in control. And I will just say something here. I just want to address, you know, certain myth about us Christians. You know, when we, when we tell some people to do certain things, because there's a gift of miracle, there's a gift of healing. Sometimes the gift of miracle is just instantaneous. But when we are looking at the gift of healing, so it takes a process. And God is really about processes. That's right. And we need to understand some of these processes. It may not be so instantaneous. We may have to go through these processes to be patient, to even learn and develop some fruit of the Spirit that God wants us to develop. So, if we, if we look at the Bible, we see that the Bible is about life happening to people. The Bible is not just all about tossing the Lord, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not do this. No. The Bible is about creation. The Bible is about, it's about the fall of man. The Bible is, by, is about the suffering of Job, the patience of Job. It's about King Saul, which Pastor talked about the other day. It's about King David. It's about how life happened to these people. And the other day, I was, I was going through the book of Ecclesiastes. Even King Solomon said he tried everything. He tried foolishness. He tried even madness. He just wanted to be mad to see how it is, <laughs> <laughs> how those people feel, or I mean, just how it is. He tried foolishness, and we know he's the wisest king. He was wise. So life happened to people, and this life that happened to people is about up and down. It's about different things. For example, I came into this country in 2020. 2000. 2000, sorry. <laughs> in 2000, you know, I have been in this country since 2000. I've been in this church. So this church is like a family to me. I am not ashamed to expose myself as to what I experienced, hoping and praying that it will bless somebody. It will help somebody to come out of their situation. Why are you gathering your thought there? Just to buttress what she said, after she came to me at the end of the service that Sunday morning and told me that she wanted to tell her story, 
I immediately made an appointment for us to get together on a Wednesday during the day. We spoke for about two hours non-stop. And during that conversation, there were some things that I, Bank Olusegun Akimola, yours truly, was struggling with. Seriously, seriously. And as she spoke with me, I received a revelation of listening just like that. Bank. I said, whoa, this is what has been happening. You see, because if we don't know what we're dealing with, we'll be fighting the wrong battles. Right. Now, you are fighting, but just the wrong battles. But immediately she shared with me, I left my office on the way. I said, oh my God, this is it. Amen? Amen? So I'm saying that this morning to say, just, just keep your minds open. If I, let me just pray right now. Let me pray. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Amen. I want to thank you for the opportunity you've created for us to hear directly from your handmaiden the journey and the process that she's been through. So that out of the comfort that you comforted her, somebody else this morning somewhere is also being comforted. Father, we thank you for the power and the role of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let, let's just dive into the meat. Let's dive into the meat. Give us an overview of mental challenge. What is it? I know I, know I defined it in short service. And, and what is it like? What, what, what does that feel like? I, I know in my, I don't know, in my, in my talking with you, 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 to, to you described an experience whereby you had a particular illness and you said any day you would choose that illness over mental challenge. Take us through that. And I know I'm disrupting your notes. Don't no, worry about it. No, it's all notes. right. Don't, don't, don't. No, let's we'll just leave it to the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen, <Right>. exactly. Amen. <laughs> Amen. In 2009, I was uh, home doing the usual things that we ladies do. We advise, you know, to always like, you know, check your breasts, check, you know, make sure, you know, you don't have a lump. And if you have a lump, you know, just address it. And uh, uh, before, uh, shortly before then, you know, I had, um, I had turned 40. And I had the opportunity to fall into the category of people who do a yearly mammogram. So I do my yearly mammogram, but I still go ahead out of habit, you know, to just check uh, my breasts. So uh, this day, I, I, just, this, I just noticed that there was a particular lump that wasn't there that was kind of bothersome. And I was like, well, it's maybe it's around my period because I was very, I was kind of uh, busty, heavy, you know? So I get really uh, hormonal uh, before my period. But I checked it a second day, third day. I just felt it was, it was out of the ordinary. So I decided to give my doctors, my uh, gynecologist a call. And I said, I want you to check me out. You know, he said, but you have just done your mammogram six months ago. I said, yes, but I'm not comfortable with this feeling. So uh, I went there, but by the time I got there, uh, my gynecologist wasn't around. There was uh, a nurse practitioner. So she decided to 
examined me, and when she examined me, she was like, oh, don't worry. I think, uh, I think it's just because your period is, uh, is around the corner. And I said, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, I have had this period for over um, donkey years. And I know, and I know my body. I said, okay, uh, write me another prescription because you have to get a prescription to do another mammogram. I said, write me a prescription for a mammogram. And uh, she gave me an order for a mammogram and I went to do a mammogram. By the time I did a mammogram, they said, yeah, I think there's something there, you know? I see something not quite right. Okay, why don't you go and get uh, an ultrasound? So I went for an ultrasound. Ultrasound said, yes, there is, there is kind of something there, you know? So I, I, I was, you know, really worried. And then uh, they felt it was breast cancer. And I went to see another doctor, a surgeon, and we went through the whole uh, diagnosis of the fact that it could be breast cancer. And they advised me to get a biopsy. Uh, having been in the medical profession and having done some clinical work, in my past, I have seen some people who go ahead to do biopsy, and that actually escalates the cases of the cancer, if it was actually cancer, you know? It just kind of just give it an opportunity to spread. So I went, I told my surgeon, I said, you know what, I don't want to uh, get a biopsy. Just go in there, whatever is there, just take it out. After we take it out, you can do the biopsy. You know, and the, and the surgeon kind of concurred with me and said, he thinks that's a very good idea. He's not really a supporter of biopsy because of all, all that kind of um, uh, problem associated with it. So he did a biopsy and lo and behold, it was actually malignant. And for the, according to the doctor, for the period of time, I had it. And when they did the histology, it was a very aggressive type. So the doctor was like, great. I'm glad we didn't do the biopsy. We just took it out. And that led to a series of uh, medical intervention. You know, where I had to do a couple of surgeries. I had to undergo chemotherapy. And um, the chemotherapy, you know, is strong. It's growing when you undergo chemotherapy, you know? But I just considered myself a strong person. And I, I just went ahead doing my job. And my doctor advised me to take time off my job. I didn't. I was still going to work. I didn't want my children to know I was sick. I didn't want people around to know I was sick, you know? I just kept uh, fighting on, just believe, you know, I am strong. I can handle it. I can handle it, you know? And I went through that period, and after that period, I, I kind of, you know, just maybe like six months to a year after that, I just kind of broke down. Hmm. I just discovered I wasn't myself. I'm depressed. I sleep in the morning, I don't want to wake up. 
I don't want to get up. I don't want to go to the bathroom, take my bath. I don't want to even go look at, prepare breakfast for my children. All the feeling I had was that, oh, okay, if I sleep some more, I will sleep it off. I'll sleep this feeling up. I'll sleep this feeling up, but the feeling will never go off. Instead, it was getting worse. It was getting worse to the point where it's as if you are losing touch with yourself. You are losing touch with the world. And it's so like bottomless. You feel like you're in a bottomless pit. The feeling is so deep, you can actually like probably cut it with a knife. You just feel a perpetual lump in your chest that can't go away. You stay by yourself, you are hyperventilating. You are having palpitation. You are lying down. Every heartbeat in your body, you are feeling it. You, you, I mean, you just feel like you are crap. You, you just feel so completely useless. And you ask yourself, why do I feel this way? What, what is happening to me? God, why is this happening to me? Because this has always been a kind of question in my mind as a medical professional. When I hear people commit suicide, I ask, what in this world can make somebody want to kill themselves? I mean, this world that is so nice, so lovely. There's good food, there's ice cream, there's cake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why? I mean, what makes you want to really just kill yourself? That has always been a question in my mind. But I'm telling you that when I fell into this depressive state, I even got to the point where I wanted even God to kill me. I got to that point where I felt I was just not useful as a person. I don't feel myself. I don't feel a sense of well-being. And for me, having gone through chemotherapy and all the surgeries, I had like about six or seven or so surgeries, and having gone through all that, and having gone through depression, I was telling pastor, I said, you know what? The way I felt during depression, I would rather have 10 chemotherapy. That's how crappy you can feel when you have depression. My doctor will tell me, oh, go to uh, do exercise. I will go to the park. I will go to the uh, Triple May Park. He said, three my park. I will run around it for, six, for two times, just trying to feel myself. I can't feel myself. I will just feel it's better for me to die than to be alive with the way that I feel. You, you, you mentioned something to me, but okay, go ahead. Okay, and yeah. I, have, I have a colleague too, who, who had, she's, she's a young person who had 
who was who had depression. I kept, you know, kind of trying to talk to her. I haven't gone through it. I knew that she was going through something. So I was talking to her, asking her what's going on with her. And eventually she opened up to me. And I saw that she was really in a very bad depressive state. I encouraged her. We found her a doctor. And they put her on some medication. After two to three months, you know, she got better and better and better. And down the road, we were discussing how she was feeling at the moment. And you know what she told me? She said, I feel like a human being now. I feel so much better that if I were to feel the way I used to feel, I would rather die. Instead of me to go back to feeling how I felt when I had depression. Amen. Amen. So obviously in your case, what triggered this depression was as a result, result of you not getting proper rest after the chemo. After the you chemo. You rushed back to work rather I, than rest. I didn't rush back. I didn't take a break. Oh. I was doing the chemo. I was doing the surgery. and was going to work. And my doctors kept telling me, take a break. You know, fight for short-term disability. But I just felt I can handle this. I can handle this. And that feeling actually was based on a premise which I had before. When I came in 2000, when I was working in the pharmacy, I noticed a certain pattern of prescriptions that certain community were more, were taking antidepressants. I mean, that 2000 time, there was this Prozac uh, revolution. Everybody, nearly everybody was on Prozac. You know, nearly everybody was on Paxia. And a group, a certain um, community, you know, took this medication more than um, uh, other, people. other people. And I was like, why are these people just taking this thing? And the, the person that was my boss then told me, oh, don't mind them. They are so weak. They are not really strong like us. <laughs> they are not really strong like us, you know? And I, I was like, ah, really, you think so? She said, yeah, that's the reason. But through my experience, uh, my uh, professional experience and personal experience, I've come to realize that that's false. It is false because certain people, or certain, I like to use the word ethnic group. I don't like to use races because we're a human race. Yes. But certain. You're correct. You're correct. Yeah. That's Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. Certain ethnic group. Yeah. They are more accepting of the fact that this is a disease. It's beyond our control. Just like we have hypertension, just like we have stomach pain, mental disease is a disease. Amen. And they have accepted it, and they have researched it, and they have given themselves to the treatment of that disease, unlike uh, another ethnic group, which is mainly the immigrant group, huh. we always think it's a cause. Hey. We always think it's the devil. We also we also think it's missiles from the village. <laughs> <laughs> missiles. <laughs> so because of, because of that, we, we, we are kind of ashamed of it. We, we hide it. We don't address it until it gets to a very, you know, difficult 
stage where it becomes not just a personal problem, but it becomes a community problem. Hmm. Mm. That is very, that's very interesting. So from, from what you're saying then, first of all, you do not think there's any, anything wrong in any person that's going through this struggle to use medication? It is nothing wrong to use medication. Amen. Actually, uh, the treatment of, of uh, depression or mental disease is actually based on accurate diagnosis. Number one, it has to be diagnosed properly. You have to know what you are treating okay. properly. When, the, when there's diagnosis, then there's management. Hmm. We like to use the word management. In some cases, you, we probably just need psychotherapy. You meet a psychologist, the psychologist tries to unearth some of the causes or trigger, because there's always a trigger. The even people that are genetically predisposed to it, there is a trigger, which is usually due to emotional, physical stress or psychological stress. So it is, it, I will tell you one thing. Um, uh, I, I, let me just use the word, psychotropic drugs is, is about 30% of prescriptions in the US. Hmm. Second only to hypertensive drugs. And the third after that is uh, pain medication. If, just imagine that 30% of the American population are using antidepressant and other form of psychotropic drugs. If we, if we say America is uh, 300 million, 30% of that is almost 100 million. That is the people that are di di uh, uh, that have been uh, diagnosed. That, that are diagnosed. How about the ones that have not even been to the doctor, that have not accepted the situation, that have not gone for diagnosis? So it is very, very prevalent in our environment. I, I know because as, as Christians, most of us think if I'm struggling in any way, uh, then I should just pray. Uh, after I've prayed, uh, that's, that should be the end of the case. If I, if I have faith, then I don't need to go see a doctor. Uh, but but that's, that's far, far, far from the truth. Definitely we need to pray. Prayer definitely is on the table, and she will tell you that, and we're going to get that, to that in a moment. But I just don't want you to be so foolish or deceived to think that if only you do pray, then everything is going to be fine. Because what happens is after you've prayed and nothing changes, then you now begin to wonder, does God love me? Does he care about me? And that's not the case. Let me just take you to a couple of scriptures. Because it's important that we understand this aspect of what we're dealing with and that we are best prepared to address it. In 2 Kings chapter 20, 2 Kings chapter 20, in verses 5 through 7, if you just give that to me very quickly, 2 Kings 20, now, this is Hezekiah, the king of Israel. Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people. Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father. I have heard what? Your prayer. So did Hezekiah pray? Yes. I've heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. So we know Hezekiah prayed about healing. 
On the third day, you shall go up into the house of the Lord. Verse 6. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Verse 7 is, it, is the key. Watch verse 7. Then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on the boil and are recovered. If you had just prayed and did not do what the prophet said, or if you are praying and did not do what Dr. Ibadi is saying, or if you pray and do not go see your physician, whom God has endowed with the unknown wisdom to help you what you need, and you are praying, and God says, well, how foolish can you be? I've sent the answer. Would you take it? Now, church, I know, I know we are a charismatic church. We are gifted. We love the Bible. We love prayer, and we should pray, and we should read the Bible. If I was to fall down from this platform and break my leg in three places, am I going to be praying for, for the healing, of, or am I going to go see a doctor? My leg is broken in three places. Life and direct, broken in three places. Of course, I'm going to pray, God help me. Yes. But after I've said that prayer, you better get an ambulance and get you to the doctor. And make sure you get remedy. What the body is saying to us, when a person has a mental challenge, I'm going to let you explain it because you, you, you better hear you better that explanation. You said to me, you told me, how God is so incredibly wise and put our brain in, if you will, a cage. <laughs> what happens when I have a mental disorder? What happens within my, my system? Because physically, we break our legs. Physically, things happen to us. We seek remedy. But we need to also understand that mental disorder is as a result of something breaking. Please address that one. Um, Do you remember what, what I'm talking about? Yeah, yes. I, I, I get what you're talking about. But um, I would just, um, just go in and um, talk about a little bit about good health. Okay. What is good health? Let's start from there. What is good health? Good health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of a disease. Your brain has to work well. Your mind has to work well. Your body has to work well. Even your relationship with people has to be well for you to say you have good health. And now, what is a disease? A disease is a disorder of structure or function in a man, animal, or plant, especially one that produces specific signs and symptoms that affect normal functions in our body. Then we take a look at, this is really where I like to focus on. We take a look at what we call pathophysiology. It's a medical jargon. What that just means. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what that just means is that the causation process of a disease. When we have a headache, 
it is because something is happening in our brain. Where our stomach hurts, it is because something is happening in our stomach. That is what is called pathophysiology. The process of causation of a disease, which is the disordered physiological process associated with the disease. I don't want to go into other diseases, which I know we already know, heart attacks, stroke, rheumatoid arthritis, insulin, I mean diabetes, we all know that. And when we see people having those diseases, we empathize with them. That's right. Because we say, oh, the insulin is high, oh, the insulin is not working, oh, that's why his uh, sugar has gone up. But again, we also have that in mental health. So mental health refers to the cognitive, behavioral, and emotional well-being. It is all about how people think, feel, and behave. Mental health mainly refers to our brain health. Our brain is a major part of our central nervous system, controlling other functions of our entire body. The brain and the nervous system is an electrical circuit. That's why the brain is cased. You know, when you have an electrical circuit, you case it. When, you, when we wire this house, we case the electrical circuit so that people don't just go and mess with it. Once something breaks in that electrical circuit, there, there is power outage. And until you go and fix that, you cannot get the power back. So our brain and our nervous system is an electrical circuit controlled by impulses, controlled by transmissions and substances called neurotransmitters. We have no control over these neurotransmitters. They are right there in our brain. The brain is so special that God even cased it in its own special skeleton so that uh, people don't mess with it all the time. <laughs> 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 so some of these neurotransmitters, which I'm sure with time, some people will be familiar with, especially if they are dealing with this uh, situation, is serotonin, dopamine, epinephrine, adrenaline, and other uh, neurotransmitters. I'll just give you an example. For example, when I was coming up here, I have never really come up, come up here before. <laughs> That's right. But when I was coming up here, my heart was pounding. <laughs> <laughs> I was jittery. Yeah, of course. But was I really afraid? I wasn't, I'm not really afraid of anybody here. But that happened to me. And did you know why that happened to me? Because my adrenaline was released. I had no control over that adrenaline being released. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so when it releases, it just caused all those things to happen. <laughs> and I may even start sweating. <laughs> <laughs> so that is how the brain works. We have these neurotransmitters. They transmit messages in our brain. If there is an impairment of this neurotransmitter in any form or way, you will discover that this person will develop a mental disease. It's not really that the person is crazy. Even if the person is crazy, that's still a mental disease. The person didn't bring it on himself. Amen. There just has been an impairment of what is going on in the brain. So it's like 
just like electrons in electricity, they generate messages and behaviors that we exhibit and see in others. A distortion in that ability leads to multiple signs and symptoms involving our thoughts, our behavior, our emotions, and our perception. And they could even lead to death of these patients or people even around us. We have seen some people who are depressed, who will kill themselves, kill their children. What did the poor children do? Hmm. And do you really think a mother or a father want to kill his or her child? Hmm. It is something that is just wrong somewhere. Hmm. Wow, amen. We're gonna take a short break in a, in a little while, in about two minutes, but let me, before we do that, let me just throw this last thing out there. And if you have any questions, remember, you can send them online or get ready to come to the mic and ask your questions when we come back. We're gonna take a 10 minute break in a minute. But before we do so, let me just ask you, what are the, the, the perceptions or the feelings or whatever a person who's going through this is hearing or how they're feeling, are they real to them? Even though the people in the household may not think it's real, how real are those things? Are they really real or are they just in a different place? Those feelings are real. They are real, Pastor. Okay. And before I go to the reality of those feelings, yeah. I just want to tell you this. In the US alone, the annual cost of mental disease is about $225 billion. It's the annual cost? Annual cost. Okay. That's how much it takes to manage mental disease in the U.S. alone. Okay. About $225 billion. And that cost exceeds any other disease. Wow, okay. And you know why it's like that? Because the person that has a mental challenge, it's not just him, hmm. it is the family. Hmm. Somebody is depressed, the person is suicidal. What do you do? Do you leave that person at home by himself? Do you take that person to a daycare? Do you take, and the government has even destitutionalized uh, mental uh, management. You know, there used to be institutions where you can take people to and then they can be taken care of. But uh, uh, over time, the government has, uh, has not uh, continued to do that. Then the, then the family member will probably have to take time off to stay with that patient. Loss of hours, loss of, and then- Income. Income, and then a lot of these drugs are so expensive. There are some drugs that are like 1,500 a month. And that may be the only drug that is working for that person. Hmm. And that person does not have insurance. What, why, would, why would they not have insurance? Tell us that. Yeah, because the person cannot, cannot uh, it's not, yeah, cannot work. Because somebody that has mental disease really cannot operate normally and functionally. And then you, you can have even the, the, the uh, a member of the family even taking time off work again. I might even lose his own insurance exactly. trying to take care of this, this situation. Let, let, let me make sure they get it. So they're impaired enough they can't work. Yeah. 
Because they are not working, they lose their insurance. Yeah. And because they lose their insurance, they are no longer able to afford the drug. The drug. You see the, you see a, the, the, the domino effect? The domino effect. Now, in the meantime, a person has HIV, they get free treatment. Yeah. They get less. They get less. But a person that gets, that has any mental issue that affects one in five Americans, they can't work, they lose their insurance, and they can't get the drugs. We have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Amen? Let's just take a break right now, 10-minute break, and we're going to come back. Amen? Amen. Hello, guys, are you guys here? Oh, my goodness. You guys are here. Amen, we'll take a 10-minute break. Yeah, we can.